0: From Luminary, this is Here to Slay, the Black feminist pro-student loan cancellation podcast
1: of your dreams. I'm Tressie McMillan-Cottom. And I am Roxanne Gay. On Here to Slay, Tressie and I talk about the culture. We talk about politics. And we do like to have fun, but we're also here to have necessary and serious conversations, which is to say, we are not sweeping anything under the rug.
0: No, we do not. First of all, the damn rug uh, can't cover it anymore. Let's let's just be honest. <laughs> so it's not even about lifting up the rug and talking about what matters. It's just all around us people. Last week, we talked about race and COVID and the eviction crisis. Before that, we talked about fat tax and Black female bodies and the racist history of BMI and our narratives about being fat. There's a lot going on under that rug.
1: And so I'm here to say- Tressie and I talk to women, mostly. Black women, usually, and when we're lucky enough. Women in media, arts, politics. Women like us who have thoughts and opinions about how to deal with everything going on under that rug. And who are getting it done. That's us. Hey, girl, hey. Hey, Tressie, hey. As we speak... It is the day after Joe Biden gave a town hall. Mm -hmm. And in that town hall, he was able to lay out his agenda. And I think a lot of us were hoping that that agenda would be progressive Mm -hmm. and would address a lot of the issues that this country is facing. And so his agenda has this $1.9 trillion relief package. Okay, so listen, if we don't go ahead and say this at the
0: top of the conversation, the progressive Democrat people on the internet are going to come for us. So let's just get this out of the way. A Biden administration is different from a Trump administration. Yay, progressives, okay? Yes, he has some things that certainly come from the progressive wing of the Democratic Party. A $1.9 trillion COVID relief package that features things like programs, uh, Targeted at child poverty relief, which there should not be any such thing as a poor child in the United States of America. They're mostly doing that through tax credits, which I always take issue with, but whatever. okay.
1: there is this possibility of raising the federal minimum wage to fifteen dollars, though, unfortunately, Biden and far too many fucking Democrats are wiffle waffling about it. Uh, money would go toward underserved populations like health services on tribal lands. And so much more will go toward helping long term health care caseworkers who are disproportionately women of color. But Tressy, you know very well one of the key things that's actually not in the package
0: Yep. Despite what? A very robust, I don't know. I mean, I've been working with people like uh, student debt relief folks for strike debt for, I don't know, at least seven years. So I know there's been a narrative out there for at least that long. And there has been a Democrat narrative for at least five years about why we need student loan debt relief. But guess what isn't in that package? Student loan debt relief. We are looking as a nation at about $1.5 trillion in outstanding student loan debt. And listen, that's not something that's equally born, right? right? That is something that women of color in particular, Black women especially, have a disproportionate share of that student loan debt coupled with their inability to get the kind of work and wages that would help them pay back that student loan debt for a variety of reasons, low-quality institutions, outright sexism and racism in the labor market. There are lots of reasons why the student loan debt crisis has the face of a woman of color. Whenever you hear somebody talk about student loan debt, think about a working-class Black woman, and you come close to who we're talking Mm -hmm. about. So the fact that we do not have any student loan debt relief in a presidential cycle where it was all about, listen to Black women, trust Black women, Black Mm -hmm. women, they will save us. Well, listen, let me tell you uh, one way you could repay the women who keep showing up to save your ass. uh, (laughs) You could undo the student loan debt burden that is weighing so many Black women down.
1: Trusty, you have really hit the nail on the head. I think about this almost every day. This rhetoric about Black women will save the world. You know what? Thank (laughs) you. But there is never anything beyond a tweet Mm -hmm. or a little Facebook post to thank Mm -hmm. Black women. And we don't even need to be thanked. Quite frankly, we need to be treated as human beings and as Mm -hmm. equal citizens. And we need to be able to have the same opportunities that our white counterparts have. So if you really want to thank Black women and honor us, you know, do the goddamn thing. And I think that, like many progressives, and I I think I'm progressive, I'm getting there, I'm disgusted with Biden's stance, because he said that he's willing to cancel $10,000 worth of student loan debt, which is a drop in the bucket.
0: It's also it's also just straight out bad political messaging and bad isn't it political it's cowardly. rhetoric. Yeah, it's very cowardly. The idea is uh, that $10,000 is all the neediest, the poorest people with student loan debt would need. That's for people who went to like mm. community college for a couple of semesters cuz that's about all $10,000 would get you, which we know well. <laughs> there are very few places where $10,000 got you much schooling. But that's the idea that, you know, $10,000 would take care of the truly needy. They're doing that thing that Democrats do that really is Republican light. And that is that some people deserve the federal government to bail them out. But other people mm-hmm. do not. They want to put a deservedness clause uh, in the mix. And, well, frankly, here's the thing. They didn't ask about whether or not you deserve the debt when the
1: federal government gave it to you correct this idea that we have to have a debt meritocracy yeah is infuriating and you know the other thing that's just so grotesque to me about this ten thousand dollar amount is that there are some political thinkers in a room somewhere in washington at a think tank who really have decided that this is the amount that won't anger that is exactly what it too is. many people yeah like if it's only ten thousand right. dollars and let's be clear: ten thousand dollars is a lot of money. But when we're talking about what student loan debt is, and the, I think the average is thirty-five thousand mm-hmm. dollars, I know many people who have six figures of student loans, and not only six figures, but like five hundred, four hundred, mm-hmm. three hundred thousand dollars of student loan debt. So when you're saying ten thousand dollars, you're saying we're going to make a symbolic gesture. That is right. That's right. And we need more than yeah. symbolic gestures. If we, and, and you know, this is the time. If not mm-hmm. now, when for. All kinds of things, like the Green New Deal and uh, the minimum wage, but especially this, which Biden could do with executive Mm -hmm. order... And he's saying that he thinks he does not think he can do it. And that's just uh, poor leadership. Because as a leader, you're not supposed to doubt what you can do Mm -hmm. with your power. I got news for you. I can tell you who never doubts it. The other side. (laughs) The other side never doubts it. Trump did all kinds of wild uh, executive orders about all kinds of nonsense, from statue gardens Mm -hmm. to putting children in cages. So Perhaps we can forgive some students. I know this. Uh,
0: I know that you are going to have a really, really tough time selling a lot of voters that the Democrats need to show up again. In four years, especially as the Republicans Mm -hmm. respond to the win in Georgia and the loss of the White House's time with even more draconian voter suppression tactics, they're going to need us to show Mm -hmm. up, Roxanne. And I got news for you symbolism, $10,000, tossing a dog, a fake bone. I don't think it's going to do it. If you need people to be enthusiastic because you need overwhelming voter turnout, In a few years, Mm -hmm. you don't tell me how executive action allows you to forgive 10,000, but not 50,000. You just don't do
1: that. Correct. Right. How are people supposed to have faith after everything they were told to get out and vote in 2020 and then see nothing Mm -hmm. come of it? To see no progressive change because Democrats are, as usual, afraid
0: to lead. But we should by now know how to raise hell. And that's what we're going to have to do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right. Uh, Absolutely. You know, Biden may not feel like it's important to cancel a significant amount of student loan debt. But that does not mean that we have to agree with him. There has been and continues Mm -hmm. to be a movement afoot to forgive student loan debt. We'll hear more about that in a little bit from one of the leaders uh, in that public discourse. But first, we wanted to put... Some human beings in the mix, because with all the numbers and the data points, people often get lost in the story about student loan debt. So Mm -hmm. we put out a call on social media to hear from you, our listeners, about how student loan debt has impacted your life and what you would do if some of it were forgiven. And y'all, the responses were overwhelming.
2: Hi, my name is Amy. My name is Jessica. Hi, this is Liz. Hi, my name is Vera. If I didn't have any student debt, I would feel more free to give money away to organizations that I care about. So if I didn't have student debt, I would happily put a ring on it. I'd actually make my salary. Instead, over the last few years, I haven't gotten to reap the benefit of my education. I would probably try to buy a new car. Hi, Roxanne and Tressie. My name is Nicole. I'm calling from Washington, D.C., I have about $150,000 in student debt, which I am very ashamed to admit to anyone, especially you, um, because there's such an understanding that I should have known better, and I didn't, and I feel ashamed. I really just thought if I got all the good grades and did everything that the path laid out for me that I was supposed to do that I would be able to pay it off. And that was really the narrative that I was told. My name is Jessica, and I'm calling from Cleveland, Ohio. I owe $320,000 despite only having borrowed about $160,000 and having paid almost $70,000 back. It's predatory, and if I didn't have this debt hanging over my head, my life would be so different because I'd be able to have a savings account. I'd be able to help struggling family members, particularly in this pandemic, but instead I count every penny and I reduce the amount of my paycheck by what's going to be $900 a month this year.
1: Hmm. You know, Trezzy, I don't know if I'm just extra emotional, but as I read and listened to these stories, I'm just disgusted and furious and I just feel so much hurt for these people like Nicole, who said that she's ashamed. Nicole, you have nothing to be ashamed of. There is no shame in debt. And there's certainly no shame in debt that you took for an education without recognizing perhaps the consequences. I didn't either. When you're 18 to 19, 20 years old, and they're willing to give you as much as you need, you you don't think about how am I going to repay it, or you do, but you don't have a sense of what it's actually going to take, or that compound interest is is going to give you something like what Jessica had, which mm. is $320,000. My God, yeah, that's a terrible burden. Yes, it is. And, you know, individuals
0: uh, maybe should not have been able to predict what would happen with their student loans mm-hmm. i don't think individuals were responsible for being able to predict it but you know who was responsible for being able to predict what the would happen who made them? as as tuition costs rose as our investment in public higher education declined and as we told people drummed it into people from the time they were born that you have to go to college you have to go to college to be a good person to live out the american dream and you should do it at all cost. Who knew better were the people who allowed it to happen. That is the primary reason why we should forgive student loan debt, because our federal government created the problem, (laughs) okay? So we're going to hear from more people uh, later on in the show about how different their lives would be if they didn't have student loan debt weighing them down. But first, we're going to talk to somebody who's been in those rooms with the people who knew exactly what was happening. Just as I've been in some of those rooms, I know they knew, Mm -hmm. They knew what negative amortization was going to do and was going to have somebody with $300,000 in student loans. They knew that all that unsecured debt would somehow eventually come home to roost. People let this happen. They did. And Elizabeth Warren... Been warning us about that for quite some time.
1: Yes, Senator Warren is our guest today, and she created the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau before she became senator. And as we know, she ran for the Democratic nomination in 2020. Now, she and Chuck Schumer are urging President Biden to cancel student loans. And she's said that with the stroke of a pen on day one, the Biden-Harris administration can write this wrong. And so to get more about her plan and exactly how Biden can do this, we spoke to Senator Warren on Zoom just a few days before the impeachment trial started.
0: Well, hello, Senator. We are well. We are thrilled that you made time for us. Thank you. I am thrilled to be
1: here with you all. Excellent. And we're going to talk today about an issue that all three of us care very much about, uh, student loan debt, and trying to figure out how we begin to chip away at this iceberg that so many people have following them. Mm -hmm. I know I have $149,000 in student loan debt. and And I refuse to know how much I owe. You know, mm-hmm. that's where I am. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's just too much. Like every time I, every month, well, thankfully we've had the moratorium, but when I look at that bill and I make my monthly thousand dollar payment, I just look at it and $991 of it goes to interest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm literally never going to get ahead unless I pay it off.
3: Yep. Yes. Okay. And yes. that's the point the, you know, that is, for, think about that. For tens of millions of Americans, Mm -hmm. their relationship to their federal government is that their federal government is squeezing them on interest payments and fees Mm -hmm. so that they got to pay, pay, pay every month. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for people who fall behind, it's Mm -hmm. a nightmare. Mm-hmm. It is ju- there's just no other way to describe it because the interest in the fees then just starts slamming people. There are a lot of folks out there who are trying to make payments and they're actually not even able to service the debt and the fees. How's right, that right. I mean, that's yeah. just, that's awful.
1: And they never get ahead. I mean, mm-hmm. and, and when and when you finally get so far behind that the government starts to collect... There's no getting out from under that. Mm-hmm. It, you know, there's no bankruptcy that will make it go That's away. Right. There's mm-hmm. there's no respite. And it seems like a quite a price to pay for wanting an education.
3: That's right. For having tried to get an education. In fact, you think about the lifetime part of this. And I want to talk a lot about young people in student loan debt, but there are people over 65. This is one of my struggling with student loan debts. A
0: million of
3: them. Yeah. For
0: for years, Senator Warren, I have tried to make, as they say, where I'm from, make that dog hunt. Uh I have tried Mm -hmm. to get people to feel the emotional resonance of the fact that senior citizens' student loan indebtedness has increased uh, significantly over the last 10, 15 years. Mm -hmm. And that fundamentally undermines our greatest anti-poverty program we've ever had, Social Security. Yes, ma'am. In fact, it's even worse than that.
3: So here we've got seniors. Let's pause for a minute Yes. about how they end up. So for some of them, God bless them, it's because the guaranteed student loan debt
0: for the children, for a
3: beloved child or grandchild, yes. right? For some of them, it's because when the crash hit in two thousand eight, and they got laid off, or at mm-hmm. some earlier point, they said, "You know, I'm going to try to polish up my skills here and mm-hmm. get my college diploma, get a little more education," and they take on student loan debt to do it. And then discover it doesn't pay off for them. And so here they are. They're in their 60s, they're in their Mm -hmm. 70s, they're in their 80s. They have student loan debt. And now here comes the real kick in the gut. And that is. You know, you can't garnish Social Security checks for much of anything. That's very, right. Very, very restricted because it's, as you say, it's our basic anti-poverty program. Mm-hmm. It's our basic universal income, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's the floor. One of the big exceptions is they Dude. garnish Social Security checks that's to off right. student loans. There are more than 100,000 people in this country right now mm-hmm. who don't get their full Social Security checks because the federal government... Is yeah. taking a bite out of it for student loans. And now, to go back to your point, Roxanne, for a bunch of those folks, mm-hmm. the amount that the government's taking out doesn't even cover mm-hmm. the interest and fees. So, in other words, those folks are going to have a bite taken out, a big bite taken out of their Social Security every month until they die. They
4: die. Yeah, yeah.
3: They'll never be out from under it.
0: That's what students. A means. debt death sentence. Yes, I yeah. cannot believe. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe we created such a perfectly orchestrated and designed moral hazard. Yep, uh, mm-hmm. such as this. And I do think this is an important point, Senator Warren. And I would love to hear how we work our way out of it, by your estimation. We created this. This is not something where we can go to the private sector for once. That's and right. Right? This is not Amazon. This is not Facebook actually for once. We did that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so since we're the ones who did this, how do we, in your estimation, undo it and who's standing in our way? Okay. So remember
3: how we did this.
0: Mm-hmm. We did this
3: basically starting back with. Yeah, in the reagan years doesn't everything but done everything. everything that's right it all trickles down oh man you know never, nobody ever describes exactly what it is that's trickling down right no uh-huh. they do not but it's not nice but, but it's you know not that. nice that's right and it smells bad um, uh-huh. so basically but think back this way here's how i always look at this I grew up in a family, I'm first generation to make my way to college and graduate from college. Wanted to be a public school teacher. I got my chance at a commuter college that cost $50 a semester. Mm -hmm. So here I am for a price you can pay for on a part-time waitressing job. I can get a college diploma without incurring any debt.
4: Mm -hmm.
3: Why? Because taxpayers supported those public institutions, University mm-hmm. of Houston. It was a first-rate education. That was my chance. That chance doesn't exist anymore.
0: That's right. It's mm-hmm. gone.
3: So, so two things happen simultaneously. Basically, we say to young people, increasingly, you've got to have some post-high school education, technical school, two-year college, four-year college. And then part two is, and to pay for it, <laughs> You're on your Mm -hmm.
4: own.
1: Yeah.
3: So the federal government says, we'll help out by lending you the money. And I got to tell you, that's like throwing an anchor to a drowning man. Mm -hmm. So if you start out in a family that can't write a check for your tuition, like I did, Mm -hmm. you got no chance to just be able to go work a part-time job and pay for it. You take on this debt. That's who takes on the debt. And then over time, the college prices kept going up. The taxpayers put less and less into those public institutions. Yeah,
0: both happening at the same time. We've got a perfect cross on the graph.
3: Exactly right. Yeah, And that meant that young people took on more and more debt to get an education. And we've got to put this in because it's a powerful civil rights issue. Mm -hmm. It hit communities of color the hardest. Mm -hmm. We know that black students borrow more money to go to school, mm-hmm. borrow more money while they're in school and have a harder time paying when they get mm-hmm. out. We know mm-hmm. the same is also true for Latinx students. Mm-hmm. So here we've got this problem. And now the question is, you have it exactly right, Dr. Cotton. And that is what are we going to do about it? And it's mm-hmm. a two step answer. Step one, we got to cancel a bunch of the student loan debt. And All I'm right. Saying, morally why we should cancel it because kids never should have been forced to take it on. That's it. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I keep saying this is the ultimate federal, our bad. Oh, yeah. oops. You know, yep. my bad. We did this. Yep. Here we go. All right. So we cancel student debt. So thrilled to hear it, we
3: put the money in. So nobody ever has to do this again. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And when I say we put the money in, we've got to put the money in two places. One is let's get our public colleges and universities down to tuition free.
4: Mm -hmm. Right.
3: No fees. So you can go to school, expand our Pell grants. Mm -hmm. So there'll be help for the students that come from the lowest income backgrounds to be able to cover um, room and board and tuition or childcare or whatever else it is they need to be able to go to school. But there's a second part to this. And again, it's going back to how we created this problem to begin with. And that is back around the turn of the last century we as a nation put real money into our state universities. Yay. That's right. And then we said, uh, but African-American students don't get to attend in a lot. That's right. Either made it literally impossible or just pretty much impossible. Yeah. So we put a little bit of money into the historically black colleges and universities, Mm -hmm. again, as a nation, but mostly the historically black Colleges were left
0: out of the social provision post World World War II. Yes, they were. Right.
3: Yeah. And that means, as you know, it was the black churches. That's right. And black businesses that Mm -hmm. put up money to try to keep them supported. So, my view on this is we put big money as a nation, we need to now, into our state colleges, universities, Mm -hmm. technical schools, and we need to make a significant investment. My proposal's $50 billion uh-huh. into uh-huh. our HBCUs. Yeah. then you
1: got it. And you know what's interesting? $50 billion is an unfathomable amount of money. But when you look at what the, we're spending on the military and what we're spending on law enforcement and <laughs> on the prison system, $50 billion is a drop in the bucket. Yep, it's a deal. Yep. It, it's a bargain. Mm-hmm. And, and frankly, the price tag to address not only HBCUs, but all state colleges and universities, it's doable. (laughs) And we seem to keep running into this resistance of how do we pay for it when we never really ask that question, unless it's something that's going to benefit people. Mm -hmm. And then there's the other part of it. uh, And I would love to know your thoughts on this. So many people say this isn't fair, because I already paid off my student loans, or I made responsible choices and didn't get any student loan debt, or I never went to college college at all. So what do I get?
3: So let's talk about that. Because there are Mm -hmm. two or three different answers here, right? One of them is, let's remember, 40% of the people who are dealing with student
0: loan debt Mm-hmm. don't have a college diploma. That's right. They mm-hmm. don't finish. So or what we used to call some coursework, but no degree. That's right. <laughs> and and you know how you mostly
3: get paid and what jobs you qualify for with some coursework, but no degree?
0: Mm-hmm.
3: A high school grad. That's that's that's, so here they are, they're earning like a high school grad, but they've got significant student loan debt. Mm-hmm. And, and let's remember why people drop out. This is not just about abstract numbers. Mm-hmm. These are folks who quit because they were working three jobs and they couldn't mm-hmm. keep up with coursework, they're trying to support themselves and their families. These are people mm-hmm. who help out an elderly parent who was right. sick. These are people mm-hmm. who had babies, yes, uh, and just couldn't make it on through. So, as a nation, in effect, what we're saying is, boy, you really want to get ahead, you got to have that post-high school education, got to have that college degree. But you know, if you try and don't make it.
4: Mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm. man you're going to be wrapped in a chain with an anchor for mm-hmm. the rest of your life mm-hmm. that's not how we build a future
4: mm-hmm.
3: you want to encourage people to try you want right. to you want to give them some lift here mm-hmm. not say if it doesn't work you're going to be caught with this debt forever so that's the first part you've got to remember a lot of folks who say well i never went to college yeah and there are folks who tried And it didn't pay off. And -hmm. we're trying to help them out here. Second thing about it is to say, look, we need to cancel student loan debt, not only because it's good for all the people who are struggling with student loan debt, Mm -hmm. but because it's good for our economy overall. Mm
4: -hmm.
3: Even before the pandemic, Mm -hmm. what we were seeing is that increasingly young people, because of student loan debt, weren't Mm -hmm. buying homes. Right weren't starting small businesses think about that because the student loan debt held them back so i look at it this way you cancel that student loan debt it is the single most effective thing that president biden could do right now Mm -hmm. to lift this economy up Mm -hmm. and to lift millions of people up in Mm -hmm. this economy you know i don't drive on the highways in south dakota Mm -hmm. but my Mm -hmm. tax dollars help pay for those federal highways Mm -hmm. because we take the position it's good for all of us right Mm -hmm. it's good to have that interstate highway system because this is how goods and services get Mm to move around we invest in public education because all those workers who get an education who get out there then and start small businesses or who go to work and who know how to do the jobs and how to read instructions and how, mm-hmm. to, how to come up with better ideas and all of that is how we build a future together. We make those investments in each other because they pay off for all of us. Mm-hmm. So whether you've got student loan debt or not, you're going to benefit from a
0: program that cancels out a big hump mm-hmm. of that debt. Mm-hmm. I think this is a big part of the message that is missing, Senator Warren, and I want to be really honest here with you. I think that has been mostly a failure of the Democrats who have not made a clear case for people about the collective value of education, the social value. Right. We've got that economic language. And I think part of what people hear is, well, you went to college, you were going to get the benefit, you were going to get the increased earnings. So if you are on the hook for the debt, that's a you problem, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? That's a you problem. So, uh, and one of the things that comes out of that is this understanding, well, we kind of already have these small administrative fixes. And so we got to get into why we wouldn't then just put the millions of indebted students into something like an income-driven repayment plan. Mm -hmm. and instead we're pushing the bigger, let's just do a wiping out of the ledger, right? Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't we do in your estimation, I know why I wouldn't do it, I'm going to tell you, I have a PhD and I have never been able to get my certification form approved for income-driven repayment. Mm-hmm. I'm not kidding. I've never been able to have it. I believe And you. so I just want people to know that. I've been trying for eight years and it's never happened. But tell me why income-driven repayment and the other income-based repayment plans isn't the big progressive vision you laid out for us. So there are two reasons.
3: One is the technical one that you identify. Every one of these programs is written so mm-hmm. hard, so complicated, so mm-hmm. twist and turn, and then you got to do a double back gainer yep. off the high yep. dive and flip around twice in the air. <laughs> and and <laughs> the people that the federal government hired to administer these yes. programs, they go out and put people in the wrong programs. Yes, uh-huh. And they say, oh, yeah, you're going to be fine. And then it turns out, you find out 10 years down the mm-hmm. road when you thought, okay, now it's time and they're going to cancel all my student loan debt. Oh, sorry. You've been in the wrong program all this time. And again, that's on you. Mm-hmm. So I know you're going to be shocked to hear this. I've kind of had some back and forth with Betsy DeVos in the Department of Education. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah. very surprised. Oh, I am surprised. I would have
1: thought you guys got along very well. <laughs> <laughs> I,
3: I see your surprise face there. Okay. All right. But of the people who are eligible who applied for mm-hmm. student loan debt relief, right? The Department of Education turned down, are you ready, drum roll, yes. 99% of them. Yeah, yeah. 99%. And this was after Congress, uh, mm-hmm. after we had said, you've got to open these programs up and make them work. So, okay, so there's part one. It just hadn't worked. Mm-hmm. But let's just say you could make it work. Mm-hmm. I still don't think it's the right approach.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: I think the right approach is to say we want to invest in people. Mm -hmm. And we want to invest in people getting an education. If we'd been doing that all along, we wouldn't have a trillion and a half dollars in student loan debt. right? And saying, hey, we're only going to put a mortgage on your life for the next 20 years. You're only going to have to pay off the equivalent of buying a home Mm -hmm. before you're ever back to dead flat, even broke. Saying that is saying it's all still on you. But it's not about our investing in each other and creating more opportunity. And I just think that's fundamentally wrong. Mm -hmm. I want to wipe out this backlog of student loan debt, or at least pare it Mm -hmm. down dramatically. And then let's approach higher ed in the 21st century view that we need to, Mm -hmm. that we want to open up opportunity, not just for some of our kids, not just for kids born into families that can afford to write a tuition check, We want to open up that opportunity for all of our kids. It's good for all of us if we do that. Mm
4: -hmm.
1: How do we get from where we are today to this place where student loan debt is canceled, or at least a portion of it Mm -hmm. is canceled, and we develop better ways of funding state education, public education, Uh, because it seems so overwhelming to get from here to there when we can't even agree well we can but when the country can't even tolerate a 15 dollars minimum wage which Mm -hmm. is not even enough how do we do that is it possible do you think in the next four years oh
3: it's possible (gasps) in the next four weeks okay we just need our president Mm -hmm. that we all busted our tails to get elected. Listen, listen, listen,
1: Senator. The work was done. uh, Yes.
3: (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) We need our president who understands this problem. Right. And and he does at a human level. We need our president to step up Mm -hmm. and pick up that pen and sign the order and wipe out $50,000 of student Mm -hmm. loan debt for everybody who's got it. And I want to be real clear about this. He has the power to do yes. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Obama administration canceled out student loan debt for thousands of people, in that case, who've been cheated by the for-profits. You know about this, yes.
0: One. Yes. Yeah.
3: And the Trump administration. Yeah, Betsy DeVos. Think mm-hmm. about it. Canceled out all of those interest payments for all 45 million Americans who are dealing with mm-hmm. federal student loan debt. So the legal capacity to do it is there.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: We need our president to show that leadership, mm-hmm. To, mm-hmm. to lead from his heart. Mm-hmm. If he does that, now we've taken step one. And now it is our responsibility, because this will go to Congress, mm-hmm. to put the money up so nobody has right. to go
0: into debt again. I know this can happen at the federal level, as you've laid out to us. That second step, however... I am not confident that second part, what is it we're supposed to be doing to move Congress on that second piece? It's
3: exactly how we move Congress on the first piece. And that is our voices make this a priority. So let me tell you a very short story. Mm -hmm. Um, So I get elected to the United States Senate. As you know, I had never been any place close to elected office. I was a policy wonk, but certainly not a political mm-hmm, person. Mm-hmm. So I get elected and my first bill, the very first thing I did back in 2013, was to put in something to reduce the interest rate on student loans. Okay. That was my first little bite at the apple. That was so crazy out there, far out. Do you know yes. how many co-sponsors I could get? Zero. Zero. Mm-hmm. None.
0: Everybody mm-hmm. else
3: in the United States said election be like, what? Yeah, Because we all just simply accepted that mm-hmm. student loan debt is your problem. Mm-hmm. You took it, you signed for it, we're done. Federal government charging high interest rates, making a profit off it, who cares? Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. I did that first bill and put out a petition. I don't know if it worked or not. Put out a petition and said to people, if you think we ought to reduce student loan debt, sign the petition. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, in hours, people were piling in and saying yes, 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 and telling their own stories. Mm-hmm. And that's when the snowball started to roll. And so I'm sitting at lunch a few months later, and there was a senator uh, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna leave him nameless. Okay. Uh, who because he's now in the right place. Okay, all right. Both you're kind, he, you're, you're a good. Where person. This is go okay. <laughs> he said he had said to me, you know, no, I can't mm-hmm. I'm a moderate, I can't do that kind of thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Of course.
3: And he was running for re-election mm-hmm. and he kept getting asked questions about this. And people started showing up at rallies and holding up signs. In other okay. words, lifting our voices. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden he gets in touch with me and says, I'd like to co-sponsor that billiard work mm-hmm. on student loan debt. And now we've got pretty much the whole Democratic caucus
4: mm-hmm.
3: on student loan debt. And I think we just are gonna have to do the same thing on okay. elevating the issue around tuition free, yes. debt free.
0: Debt free education. So it's just That's
3: it. like I said, step one, step two. But that's one of the reasons, you'll appreciate this, one of the reasons I want to see President Biden mm-hmm. cancel out the student loan debt, mm-hmm. because that can be done fast and by executive order. Mm-hmm. That then leaves us the time to get focused I see now on how to get the the okay. money in, how to get the resources mm-hmm. that's out. That's a strategy issue. That's right. Mm-hmm. So we're okay. being strategic about making sure that the next wave of students and the wave after that and the wave right. after that doesn't end up in debt again
4: mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm.
0: I'm now thinking. I'm like, yeah, I'll go out and do that tomorrow. I don't know. What am I planning? I I I mean, like, yeah.
3: But if anyone would, it would be the two of you. Oh, thank you. You know, but
1: I think I'm actually going to, for once, say, I agree. I (laughs) do agree. If we just, if we put our powers together, (laughs) maybe we could just move 100 senators and 400 and some Congress people. You know,
3: that's, that's, that's my point in talking about this. We have moved. Mm -hmm. This is real and viable. We now have a president of the United States who wants to get rid of some portion of student loan debt. Now, Mm -hmm. we may have to talk a little about the right way to do it Mm -hmm. and the right numbers around it. But we got somebody who's saying, I get it this okay. is a problem and this is something we need to fix. All right. That's
1: a great start.
3: That has only happened because people have lifted yeah. their
0: voices. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I Such a huge shout out to the millions of students. So many of yeah. them from the for-profit college sector, by the way, as you know, Senator Warren, who really did turn this into an advocacy issue and I want to always take every opportunity to lift them up. Um, yeah. So much yes. of the narrative that we hear now from the Progressive Caucus came from um, those student activists and we owe them so much. Yeah. We do, you know, yeah. like
1: that we're having this conversation as something that is feasible in ways it never has been before Mm -hmm. is a a clear marker of just how far we've come. And so we have a question we love to ask our (laughs) guests, Mm -hmm. Senator Warren, Mm -hmm. and it's, how can we, meaning our listeners, the people on our show, help you do you? How can we support you in your work? And even more specifically, what can we be doing to contribute to moving the needle Even further on addressing student loan debt in substantive ways?
4: Oh, I love
3: this question. I love it because it comes from that place of optimism that we are stronger together and Mm -hmm. that fundamental belief (laughs) you don't get what you don't fight for. That's it. So the answer is right there. Look, ElizabethWarren.com. We always keep lots of actions up. Okay. Obviously, up to now, we've been very much focused on the elections. Uh, can we just say those words again? Go Georgia! Yes, mm-hmm. we can. We, we can't can. say Stay that, honey. Uh, Abrams and
1: all holy, of the other activists holy. on the ground. My goodness. Oh,
0: oh, oh, I may have lost more sleep over the runoff in Georgia, honestly, than I did over the election. I was more emotionally tied, frankly, to the runoff. <laughs> and and it's the reminder. Let me just say on that. It matters. So
3: so think about it this way. The United States Senate, with Kamala Harris Mm -hmm. sitting in the seat to break the tie, and the only reason we could do that was because people showed up in Georgia Mm -hmm. and voted. The United States Senate just put the framework in place for $1.9 trillion in relief, and that's going to be a whole lot more vaccines and Mm -hmm. help for people who are struggling with COVID and communities that are struggling with it, including it's got provisions in it that I care a lot about, and I know you do, about making sure there's racial equity Mm -hmm. and access to these Mm -hmm. vaccines and to treatments and testing, that it's going to have the money for those who need it most, those checks Mm -hmm. for $1,400 dollars. Mm-hmm. everyone whose income is below a certain level. And then the third, the money to help get our schools open. And that's because people really put their shoulders to the wheel and made it happen in Georgia. If mm-hmm. we hadn't gotten both of those Senate seats. Yeah.
0: It's a very different conversation today, just, right?
3: We would be having a very different yeah. conversation. And the same is true on student loans. If literally... Tens of millions of new voters had not shown up Mm -hmm. in November. People all across this nation showed up and it matters Mm -hmm. because now Joe Biden, who is putting out these executive orders, he's straightening things out on immigration, on incarceration. Mm -hmm. We're working on tax credits for children to lift children out of poverty. We've got All these things we're moving forward on and student loan debt is right in the heart of this mix, Mm -hmm. all because people showed up for these elections. So back to your question, Roxanne, we want to hold our elected officials accountable. For me, this is the sacred promise Mm -hmm. that all of us who are activists made. And that is, if you get out and you do the work and you get the folks elected, then they will deliver. It will matter. And that they're supposed to. Yes. Right? They're supposed to. You know, that's the thing. Like, we don't have to be grateful
1: for it. Yeah. That's the job. That's
0: the job. That's the deal. That's the deal. That's (laughs) it. Yep. And that is why it really is a pleasure to speak to you, Senator Warren. I truly do believe that you get that that's the deal. That's the deal. Show up and then y'all show out for us. That's how I think this is supposed to go. So thank you for showing out once we showed up.
3: Thank you for your work, both of you, your op-eds, you just everything that you're doing. This really is, this is our only chance to make a difference. I it's know. not going to because people in power are going to say, I know, let's mm-hmm. do what we can to help people who don't have any power.
4: Yeah, uh-huh.
3: That's yeah. not how this is going to work. So we're going to keep talking about what we've gotten accomplished and what's next on the list. All right. We, that's why we're here. Anytime. All righty, let's do All right.
1: it. Excellent. thank you Thank you, you this Senator. Has been wonderful.
3: Take care. take care
1: When you talk to someone like Senator Warren and you hear the genuine enthusiasm, you start to think maybe something will happen. <laughs>
0: and then you watch TV and you go back, you know you go crashing and back to the ground.
1: I am trying so hard to be optimistic because i I know she's a true believer, and I know that she's not alone in Congress in believing that this is the way forward. And so I hope that in the coming months, we start to see real movement on this. And like we mentioned earlier, though, we did put out a call on social media and we asked you guys, our listeners, to let us know what you would do if you didn't have any student loan debt. One is from a fifth grade teacher
0: who spent over 11 years getting her PhD. She didn't leave her name, bless her heart. I wish she'd left me her Venmo. Uh, But here's what she had to say.
2: Hi, Tracy and Roxanne. I have about $250,000 in student debt and I make a decent living, but I do end up paying um, a significant chunk of my wages every month to Navient and Citibank. If I didn't have to do that, I would perhaps consider having children. I might be able to Leave a relationship and figure out how to support myself on my own in my own housing. I might be able to drive a car that's not 13 years old. Um, I might have a savings account at 37 years old. I might just feel a little bit less like I'll never get out of the place where I came from because even though I tried with all of this education. I just still
0: can't seem to get ahead in life. Just still can't seem to get ahead in life. You know, the first 10, 11 years of my academic career, my career as a public intellectual and a writer, was dedicated to just that sentence to telling people that they were not crazy. Right. right. Yeah. It is not your fault that you just can't get ahead. It is not designed for you to just get ahead. And, you know, all the quantitative measures that we do about, oh, whether or not people are delaying buying a house because of their student loans. And, you know, we could run through all those data points, but, you know, you don't capture stuff like what she was talking about. You don't capture the vulnerability of being in a relationship that sounds, if not desirable, sounds pretty bad. Mm -hmm. We don't capture how that can make people vulnerable, especially women, when you have to be reliant on somebody to make ends meet every month. Mm -hmm. Uh, You don't capture that kind of desperation and that kind of insecurity when you talk about just the numbers.
1: Right. You know, what what I heard in her voice was just... Resignation and like a total lack of hope. And as someone who rarely believes that hope is possible, I even, I, I just thought, oh, can we offer this woman some solace? Mm-hmm. And you write about this so beautifully and so powerfully in lower ed. There is so much that is promised via credentialism, and there is so little return on that promise for people mm-hmm. who. If I get a PhD, mm-hmm. my life will be good. And it should be. I mean, it should be that way if you graduate high school. Yes. You know, that exactly. you should be, you know, like if you do the work to get the necessary education, it's not that you should find a pot of gold at the end of the academic rainbow, but you should be able to make a living wage. You should yeah. be able to survive. And that she's in a relationship she doesn't want to be in. You know, it's a lot. We also received a lot of emails like this one from Amber. She is a first-generation college student who remembers feeling like student loans were a miracle that meant no one could stop her from going to college. In her email, Amber writes, Now at 33, with over $90,000 in student loans, I feel like I'm being punished for going to school. I feel like a failure for not knowing better. Without loans, I could breathe. I could relax and let my shoulders release tension. I could sign my kids up for extracurriculars without feeling like I'm making a short-sighted decision. I could have a positive net worth for the first time in my life. I could not be burdened by decisions I made when I was 18 based on what I thought was the American dream. I could indulge in a night out when the racism and the patriarchy are particularly overwhelming. I could stop feeling so guilty for getting my degrees." I could breathe.
0: It is remarkable to me how the um that breathing metaphor shows up when we talk about police violence. Mm -hmm. And it shows up when you talk about people uh, struggling economically and how it shows up when we talk about the feeling of debt, that thing about oxygen being cut off, something that's supposed to be free and a human right. That's why I think it calls out to us that that metaphor. I could breathe. I could breathe. I could take a deep breath. Um, I don't think that that should just be the purview of the privileged. (laughs) right? Um, Everybody should be able to breathe. Mm -hmm. We got another uh, voicemail. Liz tells us that she lives with her mom.
2: I am almost 30 years old. And I graduated when I was 21 with my bachelor's. And after graduating, I moved home to my mom's place. And I currently still live at home with her while I have been paying off my debts. And I always dreamed of being a young city person, but that dream pretty much died when I realized I would be living paycheck to paycheck if I rented a place in the city and was paying my loans. So I would have so loved to be in the city or to be traveling more to visit family abroad or in the States. And I would have loved to have been able to afford a good therapist sooner And currently, these are all still true.
1: It's amazing how much people have to compromise their lives and compromise their desires. And, you know, this idea that suffering is okay, that deprivation Mm -hmm. is okay, is the American way, is a stepping stone to something else, Mm -hmm. is a falsehood at best.
0: Yeah. And, you know, we still don't really even know sort of like the long-term effects of living this way. I just don't think we are we're set up to live with that level of insecurity for that long. I just can't imagine that even if you magically, you know, wrote it all off tomorrow, that that still has a lingering effect and one we really just shouldn't want to inflict on people. This email is from another Liz, a social worker who is $85,000 in debt, a social worker Liz says, if I did not have any student debt, I would save for my son's potential college education. Yeah. I would tell my husband that if he wanted to go to college and step down to part-time work, I would have the money to support him doing that. I would travel more with my son. I would rejoin the Y and get back in my yoga class. There's also a new Black-owned grocery store in town that I would like to support more.
1: I don't even know what to say. Like these are such basic things. The like you wanna rejoin For some the why. The why, girl,
0: the why like, has a sliding scale. It's like thirty, forty dollars. That's what we're talking
1: about when we talk about student loan debt. We're talking about the why. Yeah. And a yoga class and going to an independent black owned grocery store. hmm Meanwhile. Cassandra has three hundred and fifty thousand dollars in student loan debt from law school, oh, some which of the worst. is all, we could do a whole the law episode. Law school is the a worst. Law school, yeah. chiropractic school, yes, yes, yes doctor yes. of osteopathy school. Yes, mm. yeah. She hated. I used to work for a student loan company, so I have seen the amounts of debt people mm-hmm. have, and it, it will blow your mind. Uh, Cassandra hated corporate law, and so now she's teaching writing. And she said. If I didn't have student debt, I wouldn't be so angry. I wouldn't feel so taken advantage of by a system that pads its pockets with the money of wealthy families and tosses opportunities out to students of color who are desperate to get a foot in the door and who agree to take on these massive amounts of debt as young as 21 or 22. In other words, at a time when their brains aren't even fully developed— Without student debt, I wouldn't feel like a joke, like a failure or a loser. I wouldn't feel like a victim because I'm not a victim. I'm a teacher and a mother, a wife and a daughter. I am the legacy of those who did not have the opportunities that I was offered. And we deserve to feel more than lucky. We deserve to feel worthy. Mm. We deserve to feel truly free.
0: Mm. You know, we talk a lot about autonomy and freedom on this show, being our birthright And how difficult it is to access our birthright because of the bodies we are born into and the systems of oppression that we have to live in. And I feel like Cassandra really captures what ultimately we're talking about with student loan debt. We're not talking about giving something away, although so what if we were? But don't get me started on that. Uh, But we're not talking about giving something away. We're not talking about the deserving versus the undeserving. We're not talking about making people earn their privileges. We are talking about the difference between freedom and unfreedom, the freedom to live, honey. That is what debt ultimately subverts. And Cassandra is just an excellent case of that.
1: We could not get to all of the messages, but please know that we read and listened to all of them and they were each moving in different ways and we want to thank all of you for sharing your lives and mm-hmm. your stories with us mm-hmm. please know that we are going to continue to talk about this issue because yeah. it is one that is ongoing it is one that we both de- have dealt with mm-hmm. and we just want everyone to be free yeah, yeah. that is our show for this week if you don't already, please do follow us and let us know what you think of this show on Twitter and Instagram and Gmail at H-E-A-R to Slay.
0: From Luminary, Here to Slay is executive produced by us, Roxanne Gay and Tressie McMillan Cottom. Our senior producer is Curtis Fox and our producer is Catherine Fenaloza. Production support from Lauren Garcia and Caitlin Adams. Our interns are Allie McPherson and Isoki Samuel.